Welcome to From Fear to Fire, Secrets to Overcome Fear, Embrace Your Gifts, and Achieve Success. This is the place where real people share real challenges and where you can find a common bond and uncommon wisdom through their journeys to help you move from fear to fire. I am Heather Hansen O'Neill. I am your host. And today's quote is by Arthur Gordon Webster. And it is, nothing in life is more exciting and rewarding than the sudden flash of insight that leaves you a changed person. We have an amazing guest for you today. I'm so excited to share him with you. His name is Vince Warnock. He is an award-winning marketing and visibility coach, author, and host of the Chasing the Insights podcast. An ex-radio announcer with more than 20 years of marketing, Vince has been presented with numerous awards. One is the Fearless 50, a program designed by Adobe to recognize the top 50 marketers in the world. And previously, he was the CMO at Cigna. And he found multiple companies, including the Chasing the Insights Academy, where he empowers entrepreneurs and business owners to get seen and grow an impactful and profitable business that they can be proud of. I am so excited to bring him on. Vince, how are you today? Oh, my goodness. I am so happy to be here, Heather. <laughs> so, <laughs> I love the quote you gave in the beginning, by the way, because um, it mentioned the word insight. And of course, I love the word insight. It's the name of my book and podcast. It just, oh, it was great. I thought you might like that one. I, I picked it for you. <laughs> now, we have had some great conversations in the past, so there are a lot of different ways that I can go with this. But how about we start with transition, change? I spend a lot of time in that arena. So you've had a number of transitions in your career. So tell us about them and maybe what, what motivated you to make the changes. Oh my goodness, you're right. I've had way too many changes. <laughs> no, just the right amount because it made just you the right amount. There we today, go. Yeah. right? Yeah. Well, I, I guess, okay. So the first thing was, um, so coming out of school, I, I had no idea what the hell I was going to be. Like most people listening to this yeah. probably were when they came out of school. Um, I thought I was going to be the guy that made all the gadgets for James Bond or Batman. Um, so I, I pursued electronics engineering. I also did two other disciplines at the same time, which was computer engineering and software engineering. Basically, I was a giant geek and I love technology. And I thought that was going to be my future. But one of the things I discovered was no matter how much I love technology, no matter how much I love all the, the kind of stuff I was studying and the stuff I was working in, um, I was getting really, really bored. And the reason I was getting bored is because people were far more important to me than technology. So I started to realize that I need to be open to other opportunities. Um, I ended up working, as you mentioned in the bio, working on radio on one of our top radio stations here. Um, that for me was my dream job. Ever since I was like seven years old, I thought, hey, I get to work on radio where you get paid to play music, to joke around with people and hang out with really cool people. Oh my goodness, this is a dream job. <laughs> Turns out the one that you don't see when you're listening to a radio station when you're seven is the lack of pay. So that one, that one was an easy one to transition from. <laughs> um, but then I realized more and more how much I love people. And I started studying psychology, studying um, human behavior. I was really fascinated as to why people would do certain things with technology, like why they would, you know, um, go down a really advanced sales funnel or, go, or, you know, all the way through, or they'd actually get to the beginning of it and decide that that's not for them. Like what was the things that made them want to go further? What were the things that were the triggers for them? So that was kind of a natural convergence for me. If I'm looking at technology and I'm looking at people, marketing was obviously the area I wanted to head to. Mm. So I transitioned my whole career at that point. 
um, decided I was going to do, uh, basically I started doing web design, web, web development, but then more put, uh, putting into uh, like landing pages and things like that as well for, for different companies. That's when I discovered I had a natural aptitude towards it. Um, I started winning a lot of awards. In fact, I did a project for a not-for-profit where um, I had no idea they had submitted the work I'd done for an award. And they came back to me and said, oh, we're, we're shortlisted for uh, the International W3 Awards. And I went, oh, great. Okay, well, you know, what does that mean? And they said, well, they want to want us to fly to Vegas um, for the awards ceremony. Do you want to come with us? Because I was a contractor. And I was like, well, who are we up against? And they said, oh, we're up against Sony, American Airlines, Heineken, American Express. And I went, yeah, we've got no shot. <laughs> we're a little <laughs> not-for-profit in New Zealand. There's no way we're competing with any of those. So we made the decision not to go. That was the dumbest decision I think I ever made because turns out not only did we win, we won a whole pile of golds. Uh, we also won best in show over everybody else. And the person that was handing out the award was Will I Am, who I'm a huge fan of. I'm like, come on, this is not fair. So, so that's when the not-for-profit turned to me and said, look, we want to hire you full-time now. Uh, we want you to come on board and join the team. Um, I said, I don't want to. And then they showed me how much they're going to pay me. And suddenly I was really interested. Um, and then that kind of started this whole uh, progression of being in corporate and then starting my own startup and then going back to corporate, starting my own startup. Um, and every step of that way was really just being open to new opportunities. Yeah. In fact, I remember uh, my, one of my co-founders, he came to me while I was working at that not-for-profit actually. Uh, and he said to me, look, um, there's this opportunity I've seen. Uh, my, his father-in-law was an accountant and he said he was having huge issues around technology with all these different software that were coming in. I think I've got a way to make it all work together. And I said, okay, well, let's have a look at this. So we did about a year's worth of research uh, and no joke, because we were both um, gainfully employed at the time, but we just started talking to as many accountants as we possibly could, realized that there is a huge potential here um, and then realized I didn't really enjoy the job I was doing. So it was a no brainer for me to then go, right, let's do this. And I remember the conversation with my wife uh, where I sat down with her. We went to a kebab shop. And by the way, we are banned from kebab shops now because every time we go to one, we make major life decisions. So we're like, let's just, let's just, you know, stick to pizza or something, you know? <laughs> so, so we went to this kebab shop. We're sitting there and I said to her, look, because I've been telling her about this opportunity for the past year. And, and I said to her, look, I genuinely think now's the time. And it's scary because what it's going to mean is six months of no income. It's going to mean me giving up this really high paying job for six months until we can raise a million dollars worth of seed funding. And I was really confident we would raise a million dollars. That was easy for me. So I looked at her and she went, huh, well, that's interesting timing. And I said, why is that? And she goes, because she had always wanted to pivot her career. She was uh, trained as an early childcare teacher and she had this massive passion to work with people that had addictions and work with people that had you know, lots of um, issues around that. So she knew that she had to change career and that meant going back to study, which was really scary for her. So um, she sat down and said, I think I'm feeling the, it's now's the right time for me to change and go back to school and study, which means no income at all for Ooh. six months. Mm -hmm. So we kind of looked at each other when we realized what that means. And it was a quote from a wife. It just blew me away. It made me realize, A, I'm married to just an awesome woman. Um, but also it made me realize the approach that we've always taken because she looked at me and said, well, when have we never fallen on our feet? Mm. And that made me realize that no matter what decision we make, if we're changing career, if we're doing something different, it's just a decision, which means if it doesn't work out, guess what? We get to make another decision. Uh, and it's this weird thing we have in our heads. We think as, as entrepreneurs or even just as human beings, we think that if we make a decision, we're beholden to it. 
I see my, some of my clients, they go, but if I go with that color scheme for my website, then what if I don't like it in six months time? I'm like, well, here's a crazy thought. Why don't you change it in six months? Time? <laughs> like, what? But, but what if I don't like my logo? Well, change your logo. Do you think Google stuck with the same logo? There's, this has changed a number of times over the years. It's relatively similar, but you're not stuck with these things. So, so we jumped in boots and all, and my wife's now a quite sought after addictions counselor. Um, and I created and sold that business. Um, that was one of our biggest uh, exits ever. It was a multi eight figure exit after three and a half years of extreme anxiety and stress, if I'm honest, <laughs> a lot of, a lot of stress in that role, but it was really, really worthwhile. And that's when I left there. Uh, at the end, I was kind of on the road nonstop, uh, not seeing my family and it was getting, it, it was just getting more and more to me. So I came home from a trip one day and my son, who was 12 at the time, sat me down. And he said, hey, dad. I said, yeah. And he goes, can we have a chat? I said, sure. Sat on the couch and he said, now, dad, I know you're building a really good business, but I think we need to spend more time together. And Aww. that did two things in me. I was split down the middle. Half of me was so incredibly proud of what we've built with our family to that we could all be so emotionally honest with each other. Mm -hmm. uh, he didn't worry about whether or not that would you know, hurt my feelings because he knows I love him and he knows that's not going to happen. Um, so he could just be open with me and say, we need to spend more time together. Then the other half of me just went, ouch, how did I not see that? Yeah. So I made a point of it. I said, that's a really good point. I said, hold that thought. And I pick up my phone and he, he rolled his eyes as well because he saw me picking up the phone again. Mm -hmm. I said, just one moment, rang my co-founders and said, hey guys, said, yeah, I'm out. I'm done. I need to move on. And I need to spend more time with the family. Um, they were freaking out. I heard lots of new swear words on the phone. <laughs> um, and well, I just said, What like, an well, impact that must have made on your son. Exactly. And that's why I wanted to do it. I wanted him to realize that actually my family is my priority and it always has been and always will be my priority. So mm -hmm. to make that such a kind of thing in front of him to go, hey, you're actually responsible, partly responsible for this decision as well. Um, so I moved on from there. And that's when we realized by moving on, I said to the guys, look, I'll stay on as the majority shareholder, but you, we can hire someone to replace me. One of you will step into the CEO role. It's a no-brainer. Um, and that's when I, I kind of realized too, uh, I, you know, the next day woke up and felt all the stress kind of peeling off me. I'm like, this is great. Also realized that actually it's a pivot opportunity because all these companies were wanting to buy it. So we started entertaining those conversations um, and then ended up in a bidding war, which is always really good. But it also made me realize that all of that's well and good, but you can't actually go and buy groceries with shares. You can't go down to the supermarket and go, right, getting all this food and I'll give you 0.0001% of the, <laughs> of the company. They look at you a little funny. So I then thought, right, I better go get a, a normal job. Uh, went to Signal Insurance and became the chief marketing officer there. And again, it's like one of the things that I've always believed is you've got to be open to opportunities. And for me, even when I'm at Signa, that on paper was a dream job. For five years, I was there. Um, I got the results. Uh, I got a ludicrous amount of pay. It was ridiculous how much they pay you. When you're a CMO of a Fortune 100 company, that's some pretty good dollars in your bank account. Mm -hmm. um, but, and I got to work on some amazing stuff as well. But seeing the results in there, I took their online sales from nothing, practically nothing, to almost half of their revenue. So when you're doubling the revenue of a Fortune 100 company, that's that gets noticed. So I got the recognition, got to travel the world, speaking on stages everywhere, won all the awards. Um, got recognized by Adobe as one of the top 50 marketers, but even published my first book when I was there. Had the biggest office, although technically I'm supposed to say the second biggest office, um, because even <laughs> though it was the biggest, you know, the CEO can't be outdone. Um, so the second biggest office, we'll say, in the, in the biggest building here, you know, on the, on near the top floor. Had this amazing view, had my Mad Men style whiskey cabinet. Everything on paper was amazing. And I was miserable. 
Mm-hmm. I sat there going, I, I don't want this job. And that made me feel incredibly guilty and incredibly embarrassed because this was a job that most people would kill for. This was the epitome of jobs when you are a chief marketing officer. Mm-hmm. And yet here I was going, I, I don't know why, but I just really don't enjoy this. And that's when I had to do some soul searching and say, why is it that I, I don't, you know, why am I unhappy here? In fact, I remember coming home and my wife looked at me and she said, you are really unhappy there. We need to make a change. Mm-hmm. And that's when I realized, I looked inside and realized, the reason I was struggling is because I was unfulfilled. Yeah. Uh, I was there when, when you're at that level, you basically treat everybody as a dollar sign or a number. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm not that type of person. I'm the type of person where I need to be close to where I'm impacting others. I need to be helping entrepreneurs. I have such a soft spot for entrepreneurs. Like, honestly, um, I've been an entrepreneur since I was 11. It just means so much to me. So I was like, right, I need to get back to where I'm helping people. So this is, this is why I've transitioned so many times is I will get to the point and realize I need to change, that something's not right. I, I don't like staying in the same role too long because I want to make sure I'm always improving myself. I'm always trying something new. I'm always trying to impact as many people as possible. Well, you know, a couple of things stand out about that is that you're not a, afraid of making the choices. And, and I love that you brought that to point for us is that you can always make another decision. If this yep. one doesn't work out, you can make another decision. And that's fantastic. And I think also um, your wife being such a great support system and, you know, being open to that as well, just helps me to, to remind listeners out there that you know, your support system, be aware of it, be conscious of it, cultivate a great support system uh, because we're not solo beings. We are, we're connected humans. And so that's really important in this, in this process as well. I I think it's actually doubly important here though, because the other thing to note is if you're an entrepreneur, um, you're slightly crazy. Okay. so (laughs) Slightly? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, well, we love this roller coaster ride, and it yeah. is a roller coaster ride. You have days where you're crushing it, days where you're winning at life, and then the next day you wake up and you go, ah, I can't do this, it's too hard. Yeah. So, you need people in your life, a support network in your life that can call you on that. So, people that can support you when you hit the bottom, but also people that can make sure you're actually looking after yourself. And I, I used to be really embarrassed about this because I, I have ADHD and RSD, so um, typically neurodivergent. But what that means is I will have times of extreme focus where I forget to eat, I forget to have a break, I forget to, like all of these different kind of aspects. And there are other times where I'm just manic and I'm all over the show and I'm working on 20 different projects at the same time. But again, I forget basic things like looking after yourself. And I used to be really embarrassed about that because I'm like, I'm an adult. I should be able to do adult things. I mean, this is crazy, right? But it turns out, no, we're just wired different. And entrepreneurs are a really passionate bunch. So having somebody that can actually pull you aside and say, hey, do you think you're overdoing it at the moment? And when they do that, you need to learn to listen to them. Uh, and this is what I have with my wife. Like She'll just call me out every now and then and go, are you overdoing it? And I've learned to stop, to listen, to take stock and go, actually, I think I am. And then pull back. And every time I've done that, I end up with a major breakthrough. In fact, I remember um, I was running it. There was a, a summit that I was doing. And um, I, one of my VAs who was supposed to be doing all the work for the summit just vanished on me. Um, that was not a great experience. But I was like, okay, so now I have to do all this myself because I don't have time to train somebody new to come in and take this up. And we're running really close to the wire. So I was just going and going and going. And I remember one Sunday, I was working through the weekend, which I don't normally do. I normally, that's my family time. But it was Sunday and I had to push through this stuff. And I was hitting the wall and I couldn't, I had all this copy I had to get out for the next day. And I just couldn't do it. I was like, blank. I'm trying to write and I'm going, I, I, this is the first time I've had writer's block. 
And I went in to get a drink in the kitchen. My wife looked at me and said, do you think you're overdoing it? I went, yeah, I am. And she goes, okay, what are we going to do? And I said, let's go for a walk. So two of us just went for a walk, got out in the fresh air, out in nature. We live in New Zealand. It's absolutely beautiful here. Went on a little nature walk, came back, sat and watched a YouTube video. Then I'm like, huh, I'm feeling a lot better now. Like my heart wasn't racing as much. I wasn't anxious or anything. I'm like, I'm actually feeling pretty good. Okay, I'm going to go back and do this. Sat down and churned out that work in less than an hour. Mm -hmm. And it was because I had prioritized looking after myself. So having a support network that can call you on that is absolutely critical when you're an entrepreneur. Oh, it really is. And I, and I love that you brought up, I, I literally just had to do it this week, is that when you're someone who's a driver and you're, and you're moving forward and you're passionate yeah. about what you're doing and you get to that block point, you think, okay, I, I have to push through it. I have to keep going. Um, but sometimes the absolute best thing that you can do is to take that walk, is to step back. Yeah, is to, absolutely. You know, and, and then I've had that time and time again, when I do that, it revitalizes me, it charges me up and I'm able to get more creative and find the solution that much faster. Yeah, definitely. It, it really does make a difference, honestly. And, and you always hear, because as entrepreneurs, there's, there's this weird hustling growing culture, which I'm, I hate. I hate that kind of mentality. Mm -hmm. But we used to wear it as a badge. Yeah. You know, when we were in startups, we'd be like, oh, I'm working 24 7 I still remember one of my early startups. I, I literally slept at a bus stop one night because I had to travel to somewhere in Australia to oh meet a whole bunch of clients. To be fair, half of it was one of my co-founders completely screwed up the um, hotel booking. He's like, right, I booked you in a hotel. I was like, dude, that's a five-hour drive away from all the meetings. <laughs> like, there's no <laughs> point me staying there. So I thought, here's a covered, a sheltered bus stop. I'm just going to sleep there go to the gym in the morning, uh, use the gym to, you know, the local gym there to have a shower and get changed and, and get myself ready for the day. Um, and at the time, I was genuinely proud of that. I was like, yeah, look at that. That's how, that's how hardcore we are. We're that <laughs> dedicated to our business. We're doing this. And then I realized I had a sore back for about a week from sleeping on a bench. You realized how crazy you were. I, know, I realized I'm a moron. That's not, nothing to be proud of. That's a stupid thing to do. <laughs> Oh my gosh, I'm the same way. But you know yeah. what, Vince, I really want to ask you about fear. You know, with yes. the, the name of the podcast being From Fear to Fire, yep. I like to ask people about their process. Were there things um, related to leaving Cigna that were fearful or something else in your life that you found was very challenging that you were afraid of, but then you learned a lesson from? Oh my goodness. Um, where do we start? There's, there's thousands and thousands of these. Like I, I grew up in, uh, I grew up in poverty. Um, I grew up in a really abusive household. Um, so for me, fear was a huge part of my childhood. Um, you didn't want to stand out. Anytime you put your head up, you would get abused. Um, so therefore I, I wanted to hide from the world. Um, school for me was my happy place. That was a place where I actually could learn to come out of my shell a bit more and be around my friends. I'm a highly extroverted person. I'm a very bubbly personality. Uh, I come into the room with energy and yet I was suppressing all of this as a child. So I had to learn to break through that. And one of the key things for me was having someone in my life to help me. And in my case, it was a teacher when I was age 11. So we have the way the school system works over here. We have what we call primary school, which is five to 10 year olds. Then we have a, a transitional school called Intermediate, which is 11 and 12. And then we're off to what you call high school, we call college. Um, and I remember when I was age 11, uh, I had this teacher who would push me. And I was, I was a pretty cheeky kid. You know, I was very intelligent uh, in a low, what we call low decile, which is a you know poverty-stricken kind of school. And he was getting us to do these projects. And 
he said to us, right, you're going to do a, a, like a project can be on anything you like. So all the boys were doing spiders and sharks. I did sharks, you know, and lions and tigers. And all the girls were doing horses. And uh, it was so cute. But anyway, <laughs> we're doing this. And he said, right, don't forget, we're going to get you to do a presentation. And I said, why do we have to do a presentation? And he said, because it's going to prepare you for the world. And I went, come on, when are we going to get the chance to do presentations to people? That's just not who we oh, are. For sure. And, <laughs> oh, and he turned around and he goes, well, how about now, Vince? I said, what? And he goes, come up the front. And he goes, okay, everyone. He said, Vince is going to show you what it's like to do a presentation. He's going to talk for five minutes. What topic is he going to talk on? And of course, there are a bunch of 12-year-olds, so you know, 11 and 12-year-olds, so they're highly creative. So they came up with an egg. So I had to speak for five minutes on an egg. And I'm just standing there going, are you for real? Now, <laughs> he, was, he was doing this to kind of embarrass me a little bit in a positive way to teach me a lesson. But actually, I'm like, I'm really competitive. So I'm like, bring it on. So he said, right, you got 20 seconds to prepare. And the only thing, literally the only thing that could pop into my head was that stupid saying, what came first, the chicken or the egg? Ah, uh, yes, yes. But when he said, your time starts now, I started with that. I said, what came first, the chicken or the egg? And my brain went into this like different kind of state. It was really, it, it was really fascinating. Kind of, I was almost like I was inside myself looking outwards and I would just stream out this consciousness and I'd talk and every now and then I'd say something that was funny and you hear them all laugh and I'd pull on that thread and it was an incredible feeling. And then I thought, oh, and I said something that was slightly inspiring. They'll go, oh, and you see them all gasp. And I'm like, oh my goodness, this is amazing. And we got to the end, he goes, you got 20 seconds left. So I kept like, you know, continue what I was saying. And then I finished with, so obviously the chicken came first and the class erupted, everyone roared. And I'm like, yeah. And I turned to the teacher and he looked at me and he said, that was fantastic. And I said, oh, thanks. He goes, no, no, Vince, that was fantastic. He said, you have a gift. He said, you could do something really significant with your life. Mm. And that was the point I realized that, uh, like, first of all, I felt this like bubbly feeling on the inside. I'm like, what is that? And it was hope. It was mm. actually realizing that there's something more I could aspire to. Um, and then, then it just genuinely inspired me to be like that teacher. I just wanted to be that person that made everybody else feel that sense of acceptance and feel that sense of hope and things as well. So no matter what fear you're going through, surrounding yourself with the right people is going to help you to get through that. Um, and this has happened multiple times in my life. I, I, I suffer from imposter syndrome like most people do. Um, and when I published my first book, um, Heather, I, I spiraled. I didn't realize that. Like I, I was procrastinating on the last probably 5% of the book. Like that, For some reason, that took me really long to write. I wonder why, because then it'll be public. Um, <laughs> but then, then I finished the book. The editor had finished their work on it. Cover design's done. Everything's ready. It's going to be published. Uh, someone said to me, you don't do book launches anymore. But it's like, you know, book parties, they, they don't work. No one goes to them. I'm like, ha, 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 tell me what to do. Uh, <laughs> I'm a marketer. Hold my beer. So I organized this event <laughs> and we had like a hundred people there. It was amazing. It was just such a supportive uh, environment. And I got to share my story of how I came up with the book, share my story about, because uh, my sister passing away was a part of, of writing that book. So I shared that story, uh, thanked all the people that have supported me. And in my mind, I had rationalized the fact that everybody was going to want to sign copy because that's what you do when you go to a book launch. So I'm like, you know, even though it feels weird to basically give my autograph to people, that's a weird concept. I'm not a celebrity. I'm not even a, I'm a barely average karaoke singer at best. So, <laughs> so, you know, how am I going to get through it? So I rationalized that in my head and I'm like, right, I've got this. This is cool. And then everyone lined up and I was signing a copy of the book. But what I didn't anticipate was every time I handed that signed copy of the book to them, they would say something along the lines of, I can't wait to read this, Vince. And the moment they said that, I started to feel really anxious. And that's when I started to feel very vulnerable and very exposed and very afraid because I, in my mind, all these like weird conversations were happening. 
I, I finished that event. I'm a high extrovert. Being around 100 people, when, by the way, you're the center of attention, that should have been one of the best days of my life. I'm like, oh, I should be coming away buzzing. But I came away very introverted. I went to bed that night. I couldn't sleep. And I just had all these conversations in my head going, who do you think you are, man? Like, really, what makes you think you have any right to write a book? What makes you think anyone wants to read this garbage? In fact, when they read it, the only thing they're going to think of is, what an amateur. And this was all the fear of being exposed, the fear of being seen that was kicking in. So I made the dumbest decision of my life, I think. I, I decided, that's it. I don't want to talk about my book anymore. Um, so the next day, I had to make some phone calls because I lined up. Uh, so Forbes had approached me, CIO Magazine and Diginomica all wanted to do a big spread on the book and, and me. So I had to contact them all and say, look, sorry, guys, I'm just too busy, which is absolute bollocks. I could have made the time for it easy. I said, I'm too busy. I'm, I'm going to have to pass on this. And, and then I went quiet on social, went quiet on media, everything like that. It wasn't until about two weeks later where one of my mentors called me up out of the blue. And he never calls, by the way. He's one of those ones you have to book time with him because he's too important. <laughs> so I'm like, oh. But he called me out of the blue and he said, look, how's it going? And I said, good. And he said, how's the book sales going? And I said, oh, really good. I told him. And he's like, oh, that's actually really good. And he goes, but I haven't seen anything out there from you, Vince. I haven't seen anything in the past couple of weeks. No media, no social media, nothing. And I said, well, I'm just relying on word of mouth because I'm really, really busy, which I was busy. But, you know, that's still rubbish. It was just me hiding. It was me afraid. Mm -hmm. And he said, I'm, I'm going to call you on that. He said, and I'm going to tell you something. Now, this is a, by the way, this mentor is an eight times best-selling author, right? His books, I, I've read every single one of his books. I was stunned that he would be my mentor. It was incredible. But he said to me, I'm going to let you into a secret. I'm going to tell you what happens every time I write a book. And he basically told the exact same story that I just did. Mm -hmm. And that did two things for me. One, it made me realize I'm not alone. Uh, and two, it made me realize that talking about this is starting to make me feel a little bit better about it. Mm -hmm. So one of the things I discovered is when fear is there. So fear is never like you can never get rid of fear. Fear is always there. But you choose what to do with that fear. And that's the key. And if you look at every successful entrepreneur that's out there and you compare them with yourself, the only difference between you and them in a lot of cases is the fact that when they felt the fear, they still did it anyway. Right. And this was the key for me. That's what I realized is I need to understand imposter syndrome. I need to understand the fear, the crippling fear that comes with these kind of things. I realized that it was just your brain's way of telling you, guess what, Vince, you're outside of your comfort zone right now. And that means you're vulnerable. So I want to keep you safe and snugly warm in here. So come back into where it's comfortable. But the reality is, as entrepreneurs, guess what? That's exactly where we need to be. Right. We need to be outside of our comfort zone. We need to be in that place of fear because that's where breakthrough happens. That's where prosperity happens. That's where learning and growth and success happen. So I started to try and retrain my brain to go, well, if I'm feeling this, if that fear is inside me, if, I, if those voices are telling me you're not worthy and you don't deserve to be there, then that's just my brain's way of saying, guess what, Vince? You're right on track. You're exactly where you need to be right now. Because that's when I realized that it's not whether you feel these things. It's not whether you have the thoughts. It's what you choose to do with them that really, really matters. And if you can retrain yourself to take the right action when you're feeling these things, then you are going to succeed. That's the difference between a successful entrepreneur and in everybody else. I love that, Vince. That's fantastic. 
I completely agree with you as well. I'm sure that there are listeners out there that are are dying to know where they can get that book that you squashed a little bit or how they (laughs) can reach you. Uh, Can you share that with them, please? Absolutely. I I make it super hard for everyone to find me. No, I'm joking. I'll make it really (laughs) easy. Um, Just go to chasingtheinsights.com. That's the name of my book. So you'll find my book on there. Uh, In fact, you'll find all my books on there. You will find my podcast there. It's the Home of the Chase and the Insights podcast. You'll also see links there to, uh, to book a free strategy call with me um, or to, to find out how to become a best-selling author. All of those kind of things are on my website. And if you scroll down, you will see links to everywhere you can connect with me on social media. And unless you're a spammer, just feel free to connect with me anywhere because I love meeting new people. I love helping people. It's just part of the reason. It's the reason I left Signa. It's the reason I do what I do now. It's just to help people as much as possible. To make a difference. And you are making a difference, Vincent. And I have completely enjoyed this time with you and your words of wisdom. And I'm certain that our listeners have as well. Listeners, hey, if you like this, share it with a friend. Let's uh, spread the joy, spread the love, right? So Vince, (laughs) it's time for your final parting words of wisdom. What do you have for us today? Okay. Um, Oh man, there's so many different things I want to say. I'm going to, I'm going to give you the quote from my first book. Um, which is we don't chase the wins, we chase the insights. And what this means is so often we can, uh, we look at things as success or failure. Uh, And we often look at the other people and see their success and think of ourselves as failure. But in actual fact, every single thing you do, every single thing you've gone through in your life actually counts for something. Whether it's what we perceive as a success or a failure, all of them are learnings. All of them have helped to shape you into who you are now. And guess what? You're actually quite awesome. So every learning, every spoken word over you, everything that you've experienced, every positive, every negative, the good, the bad, the ugly, the scars, the battles you've gone through, the things that you've had to face in your life and your personality all combine to make you the completely unique individual that you are right now. And that is someone very, very special. So so don't chase the wins, chase the insights, learn, be curious Try and learn as much about yourself as possible. Try and learn as much as possible about other people as well. And just stay ultra curious. I love it. Oh my gosh, this has been so much fun, Vince. I look forward to getting this out there and to doing a show with you sometime soon, right? Absolutely. I'm looking forward to it. Heather. We just get to hang out and that's just, yeah. that's just fun. Yeah, yeah. People don't realize this. These podcasts aren't actually for all of you listening to this right now. It's no, just, it's just for us to have some fun. Hang out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm kidding. Of course, you guys matter. <laughs> yeah. So thank you, Vince. And th- thank you to all of you out there listening today. Uh, and we will see you next week.